All right, everybody. We're back with the Stress South podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Greathouse. Today, we kind of make an episode talking about the filming side of the hunting world. And um, I know it's a pretty big topic right now. I know we got, I mean, there's tons of people getting into it, videoing their hunts. And um, I think it's actually an awesome time to be um, a hunter a fisherman or anything in the outdoors um, because there's content everywhere and we get Caleb Copeland on the phone with us today to talk about that he's um, he's really really big into video and his stuff he, he works for his works on his own he's got his own production company and um, he's filmed a lot of big-time hunting shows um, and he really knows his way around the camera um, a lot more than I do and uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode he really he really knows his stuff when it comes to making the show look really good so y'all give it a listen and go check him out and before we get into the episode I just wanted to do a little housekeeping I guess Um, guys y'all can go to Facebook check us out on there we're on YouTube Instagram all those spots go on there check us out we got a lot of content coming. It's rolling into summertime right now, so eventually we're going to be out there in the woods, you know, every few days or every other week or so trying to get ready for this upcoming deer season. So y'all go check us out in all those spots. And um, If you want to listen to this podcast somewhere else besides Anchor on this link you may have clicked on, we're uh, pretty much anywhere that podcasts can be found. So just google strut south podcast and you'll find us somewhere and i'm sure we'll be on a platform that you would prefer so you guys do all that and let's get to the episode hope y'all enjoy all right everybody welcome to the stress south pod pod golly man <laughs> i ain't even gonna do it no more Welcome to the podcast, guys. I'm your host, Ryan Greathouse. Today we've got another great guest on here. His name's Caleb Copeland. He's uh, pretty big time in the camera stuff and uh, definitely a lot more knowledgeable at it than me. And um, we got him on here and we're going to talk to him today. What's up, Caleb? What's up, man? Appreciate you having me on. Oh, man, I appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, I've watch a lot of the stuff that you do and uh i really love the the type of work that you and you and your team are doing and it's pretty it's pretty awesome man i appreciate it thank you you're welcome um but yeah if uh just in case nobody knows out there uh kind of give everybody a rundown of you know what all you got going on and everything well well um I own a production company, Copeland Creative. I uh, produce a couple of series, um, two that are on the Mossy Oak Go app, one that's living on Scout Look Weathers app, so a lot of digital content. Um, my my early days in video production, I worked for Sub 7 for five years, produced a bunch of television, was doing television day in and day out for five years, and um, honest to God, I'm you know, glad I don't have to do as much TV anymore, if any, just because the headache is not worth it. It's it's just, it's a different animal than doing digital content. Um, and I do a couple of social medias and, and things for some companies, do a lot of content creation for some outdoor companies. And then I also have a podcast where I talk about outdoor filming and production uh, called Redneck Tech Podcast. So a um, couple different avenues, but luckily I'm very blessed to be able to just do everything that I do in the hunting space, or at least 95% of it. Um, I am getting requests quite often to do, to do fishing stuff, and I'm not sure how I feel about that quite yet. But um, I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 blessed I'm blessed to do what I enjoy doing, so I can't complain a bit. Oh heck yeah, man! Sounds like you got it. You got it going on. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it were me. I don't know if I'd want all that camera equipment around a whole bunch of water like it <laughs> yeah well it's not that, that that ain't as bad as waterfowl hunting i don't think but um it's one of those things to where i just i'm not a fisherman i never have been 
Um, I, you know, once you catch one fish, to me, you've caught all of them. They all look a little different, and they one might pull harder than the next one. But, I mean, fishing just never has tripped my trigger one little bit. Um, and, it's not, and I grew up fishing a little bit, you know, catfishing, brown fishing, and that kind of thing. But I don't know. It just – I just feel like I can find a lot more productive things to do with my time than go fishing. So it's really hard for me to get jacked up about going to film a – somebody catch a fish and then to put it back i just i don't know that'd get me fired up <laughs> yeah i could see that i mean i love fishing but i could see it kind of makes sense the way you explained it there um well the thing the, and the reason and the reason i'm getting requests for fishing you know through mossy oak and the mossy oak go app is fishing is doing so well right now on the go app and on youtube and um everywhere and there's a lot more money in fishing um the the the, the margins are better the access is better. There's way more fishermen out there than there are hunters. There's so much more access. Um, so it just makes sense for them to put their money behind good fishing content because that's the kind of content that's being consumed right now. And there's so many more people to sell to. So, yeah, I mean, that's actually, I've never thought about that, but if you think about it um, and you're a big time fisherman, you probably aren't having to pay for anywhere to fish <laughs> no and, and and really no matter what you want to fish there's public water that you can do it on um right. the only the only place you're going to be restrict, restricted is a farm pond or a private dock on a lake but other than that you can be in a boat and fish right under that same dock so it's one of those things to where hunting has so many more obstacles when it comes to getting people out there onto public land and then there's all the private land restrictions either you got to pay for a lease, pay for a hunt club, or pay an outfitter, or you've got to know somebody. Um, and that's the reason that fishing is so much more popular is just because sheer access. You think about, you think about it in terms of like Georgia DNR versus Florida DNR. Like the Georgia DNR, I can't remember uh, the exact number, but it was staggering how many more DNR officers the state of Florida had. But then you think about it, the, the you know three quarters of the state of Florida touches the ocean. And there's so much more fishing there. So they, they require that many more officers. There's that many more license sales for hunting and fishing. So they can fund that many more. That, that you got to think about that exact same thing when you go talking about creating content. Hunting content is such a much smaller audience. Then you break it down into deer hunters, you know, turkey hunters, et cetera, et cetera. Well, in fishing, you have different species of fish as well but generally somebody likes to catch fish don't care what it is they're going to go whether it's a redfish whether it's a bass whether it's a trout they don't care they'll watch it and they'll enjoy it um whereas hunters honestly can be a little more snobbish where oh that's a turkey hunt i'm not watching that or that's a you know a pig hunt i'm not watching that you know so it it just it diversifies so much more and they're just so the sheer number of people to do it and the, how cheap it is to start fishing think about if you were wanting to go fishing in your local lake, you can go to Walmart for less than 50 bucks, have everything you need to go fishing. Hunting, it's going to cost you a little more than that. Yeah, that is true. Man, that's that's a good that's a good episode or a good a podcast right there. We <laughs> we didn't even plan on getting on here talking about fishing. <laughs> oh yeah, me me either. Right? Um but now speaking of that, I mean, we're you were talking about hunting in there and that's what we're going to get to. And, yeah, uh, that's what we like. Of course, of course. Um, before we get into the questions and all that stuff, we'll, uh, I'll hit you with rapid fire questions. All right. <clears throat> and remember, like I said before, keep in mind, these are completely random and I just try to, I try to come up with these questions like literally right before we're, I start recording so okay, okay. <laughs> that way they're as random as possible <laughs> all right um favorite toy as a kid uh probably like a little like a truck like a little monster truck tractor thing to play in the dirt with i was a typical little boy like to play in the dirt all right got you all right favorite meal of the day favorite meal of the day Ooh, yeah. d depends. I guess probably be breakfast because I can eat breakfast any time of the day. Um, so I guess I'd have to go with breakfast. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's that might be a southern thing, which I don't know. I, yeah, yeah. No, nobody does. Breakfast. No, nobody does breakfast like we do. I really have found that out. I've traveled a lot. Nobody really. I mean, I went to Chick Fil A in Utah one time, 
and they and there was nobody in there at eight o'clock in the morning. I said, "What's wrong with you people?" And they're like, "Oh, you know, first of all, chicken for breakfast is different here, and then people in Utah just really don't eat breakfast." And I was like, "Y'all are missing out, man." Yeah, well, I I kind of agree with you. I will say I have I have had some pretty some pretty jam up breakfast um, in some places. <laughs> One place we we went. It was when uh, myself, Peyton, and Justin we went to Missouri. It's been three three years ago, maybe now four years ago. I don't know. But we went up there, and I I'm trying to remember the town we were in. For some reason, I want to say it was Albany, Missouri, or something like that. I don't yeah. know if you know where that's at, but um, um not really. No, we we weren't very far from Iowa. We were about twenty miles south of the Iowa border, and uh, they had this place close to the little hotel we were staying in. They had this little mom and pop restaurant, and they did breakfast, lunch, dinner. But we went in there and we ate breakfast, and. The guy that we were staying with, he kept telling us, he's like, we got to go there and eat breakfast one morning when we get done hunting. And I'm like, we're like, okay, yeah, we're always down for breakfast. So we get in there, and he kept telling us about these pancakes. And he said, I guarantee you, y'all can't eat two of them. You, you can't. And I'm like, there ain't no way, man. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't know who you're talking to. Yeah, that's what we were thinking. And uh, we get in there. And I'm like, all right, let me get let me get a uh, pancake and then some eggs and bacon and all this and that. And she's like, okay. And then I was like, you know what? Let me get two pancakes. And she's like, <laughs> the waitress, she said, are you sure? <laughs> I said, of course I am. She said, she, I don't think. <laughs> she, issued, she issued you a physical challenge right there. Yeah. She said, uh, she said, I don't, I don't think uh, you understand how big our pancakes are. <laughs> and i said they can't be that they ain't too big for me and man <laughs> she brought these pancakes out and i mean i ain't kidding dude they were bigger than a basket but they were bigger around than a basketball Daggum. i mean it was it was almost it looked like a i mean they were about the size of a tennis racket no kidding <laughs> and uh they were amazing i didn't finish them either <laughs> i'd like to see i'd like to see the girl uh, that he cooked those on Man, they—that's I think that's what they were known for was their pancakes. But man, they—they they made some—they made some jam up breakfast. Yeah, that's um, awesome. But anyway, we'll get back to the questions. We got off there a little bit, but uh, <laughs> <clears throat> all right. Um, one thing on your bucket list. Oh uh, well, I got three, but I'll, probably the first one that comes to mind is uh, an archery bull do-it-yourself over three thirty. Heck yeah, yeah. Heck yeah, yeah. That would be awesome. I, I, I think I would if 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 there was one other big game animal besides deer or turkey and whitetail that I'd want to go and hunt, it'd be an elk. There's nothing like it. I killed one in 2017, just a scrub <laughs> scrub bull, but it was a do-it-yourself over-the-counter, highly pressured unit in, in Colorado, and I was pumped man i've never that's my by far my favorite hunt and i got to be there with my dad and my brother so now i've got the elk bug bad i mean i'd give everything else up to hunt elk that's my by far my favorite thing heck yeah all right uh favorite ice cream flavor chocolate man give me as much chocolate <laughs> as you can get awesome all right and here's the question and i think this question being that you know the profession that you're in and the things that the things that you do, I think this is going to kind of roll us into the the topic of the day. Okay. Um, hunting product that you've been eyeballing. Hunting product that I've been eyeballing. Yeah. Uh, probably a red, <laughs> uh, a, a red, a red cinema camera. Um, that's that's the next purchase I'm going to make is. Uh, I can't decide whether I'm going to just go with a Red Raven or if I'm just spending the extra money and get a, uh, a one of the Heliums or something of that nature. But right now, it's going to be a, the next purchase I make is going to be a Red. Okay. Um, now, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> oh, really? So, it's, it's a it's – a, it's a it's a cinema camera, which I guess an FS7 is considered a cinema camera too, which is a camera that I run now. But uh, when you a red a red cinema camera is very high end. I mean, they shoot 
full blown movies and full blown, you know, high end. Like a lot of the uh, House of Cards was shot on a red in 6K. So it's a really high end camera. And what you buy with a red is you don't necessarily buy the camera as much as you buy what's called red code or their codec. Um, is once you get into editing, and I can get a little more technical, but once you get into editing, the things that you can do with that codec in the editing process between colors, lighting, exposure, um, things that you can't do on a normal video camera. Um, and that, and, and they have red schools to where you go and you find out how to get the most out of your camera. Um, it's just a really high end camera that would for, for me as a production company, put me in another level and essentially let, allow me to charge more just because I have that in my arsenal. Okay. I understand now. Um, and that's kind of, you know, what we wanted to talk about today on this podcast um, yep. was basically kind of just from a, from, you know, from a big view, I would say, you know, kind of how is it, how is it in the filming aspect of hunting? Um, that's kind of the, that's kind of the way we're going to go with this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the first thing we'll just kind of start it off and I'm going to ask you, um, what is it like being a producer and like the way with the way the hunting industry is right now? Well, for me, for me, it's great. Um, it hadn't always been great uh, in terms of my career, which I've been doing this professionally full time for almost eight years actually a little over eight years now. Um, but as far as what I do and my clients, it's great. But I also have a track record and a reputation. I've been around and have a great client base. And um, luckily and, and fortunately, and been very blessed to have plenty of work. Uh, and now that everything's not, I say not, not everything, a lot of things are going digital and not necessarily television. There's even more work out there. Um, does it pay as well as TV does? No. But there's, there's, you can do three times as much work than you can if you were to do a TV show. If I was doing a TV show, that's all I could do is that one show. Uh, it, takes one, it, it takes a host and a full-time producer that can shoot and edit a full-time job to do a 13-episode series, to do a good one. Now, you could do a crappy one, and it wouldn't take you that long. But to do something that I'd put my name on, it would be a full-time, couldn't focus on anything but that. With Webb, the workload is as much but the timeline that it takes to do that is scaled way down to whereas you know we just started doing the habit on uh, the mossy go app and it was on sportsman channel for four years this is our first year off of tv and we've done four episodes already this year um and they're already aired you know we've shot them and aired them in a year in less than half of a year uh, and that you you just can't do that on television because the lead time and you have air times. So that show wouldn't air on their old air time until January. So you sit on that footage for sometimes six, nine, 12 months before you ever see the light of day. But now with the, the change in the industry and just how media is consumed, period, now that everything's gone digital, people don't want to wait nine months to a year for their content and sponsors can't put out products that aren't going to be seen for a year. They want them to be seen right now. And that's why the push towards digital and the turnaround times, you know, we're turning these shows around in two weeks instead of nine months because people want to see the content right now. I mean, it's virtually semi live. So the hunt you're watching now didn't happen last year. Like you do on TV. It happened sometimes a week ago. Um, And that's, I'm, I'm geared better for that. I'm geared better to, Go out in the field, shoot the content, come back, edit, rinse, repeat, do it again. Um, for a new guy starting out, it, I tell people all the time that the number one thing, if you're a guy out there wanting to get into this business, is you can't just run a camera. You need to learn how to edit because it's really hard to be just a field producer. It's, it, if you know how to do both and you're efficient at both, there's a job out there for you if you're, if you're persistent. But even on top of that, being a guy that people want in camp is as important. If you're a Debbie Downer 
if you're a guy that's high maintenance, if you don't like being cold, if you need your own room to yourself because you snore or can't sleep, well, just those simple things, people don't want you around in camp. I don't care how talented you are. You've got to be good at your job and there and do your job and not be noticed for the wrong reasons. I know guys that were extremely talented, but people didn't want them in camp. So they never got invited back. So that's the only way you get invited back. It's you can be one of the guys, do a good job, be effective in what you're doing, use your time wisely, and really don't screw up. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of good input there. Um, and that's kind of, I mean, kind of actually you were, you were starting to touch on it a little bit. Um, and that's kind of what we do. I mean, with Strut South, we don't, of course, we don't, that's not our that's not our game, you know. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah. Of course, I mean, the stuff you do is, like, very cinematic, you know, really awesome-looking footage. And but and that was that's one thing I'll say is if you're wanting to start out and get into video and your hunts and all this stuff, or you have to kind of – I would say the first thing is you want to figure out where where do you want your – outlet to be absolutely i tell guys that all the time you have to know if you don't know what your goal is you know and the goals can be anything from i want to make home videos to share with my buddies and my family all the way up to i want a 13 episode series on the outdoor channel and then everything in between i want to go out and make a series that i can put on carbon tv and hopefully get a discount on some products or I want to do a web show where I can get sponsors and make a, you know, make some little money on the side, or I want to make a full-time job of this. There's, there's avenues everywhere in between, but if you can't be honest with yourself on what that goal is, then you can't, you can't attain that goal. If you don't even know what that is. I know a lot of guys that say, I want to start filming my hunts. I want to start doing this and filming the hunts. Great. If that's what you're wanting to do. But if, if you want to tell, if you want to do a series or you want people to follow you, if you're trying to sell merchandise, whatever it is, it's got to be more than film and hunt. But if that's what you want to do, by all means, go do that. But that's what you got to decide before you do anything is what is my goal for this? Right, right. And um, like, for, and that's what I say, like for me, I don't, like I know that I wouldn't, I wouldn't even want to put in the time and effort that it would take to, to make a episode or make a video look like it just, it should be on the outdoor channel. I like, I know that that's not, that's not me. And mm-hmm. yeah. so for me, it's like, I would rather be a little bit, I would probably bump down my quality and just worry more about more content. Yeah. And, um, quantity over quality. Right, right. I mean, and we're, and I would say, like, I mean, of course, you, there's a place for it, maybe on YouTube and stuff like that. But especially for YouTube, I would say, I mean, it's you're you're gonna struggle with getting really, really good quality anyway on YouTube, um, because I well, think you, there's yeah, well, YouTube's not geared for over the top quality. Right, content. right. YouTube's geared for long long form video that's generally shot on a handy cam or an iphone i mean think about the you know youtube videos that you watch most of the time and youtube wants lots of content so they want long videos and lots of them that's how you get youtube clicks that's how you get youtube subscribers and that's how you hold people and you got to remember who's watching youtube it's the 12 year olds to the 30-ish year olds. That's generally who's watching YouTube. So you got to also, I mean, th- that's why Dude Perfect did so well, is their audience is that. You know, they're the, the, the high school, middle school age kids, and they've got these really long trick videos that they have good production value, but the early ones didn't. You know, now that they have a following and have an audience are making some money, their production values increased. But when they first started, it wasn't that great. You look at what the guys at Born and Raised are doing. Their production value is not there but their stories are there and some of their videos are 45 minutes hour, you know, but it's literally just showing every aspect of their hunt, laying clips in a timeline, not really worried about getting transitions from one place to other, not really worried about time lapses, not really worried about drone shots. It's just a handy cam 
and guys hunting and showing how they go on a hunt. There is, and the beautiful thing about what we do and what you guys are doing is there is a place for all of it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you pretty much, um, I mean, you pretty much have an avenue for any style that you want to do. So, um, and that's like you kind of, you were talking about that, you know, saying, I think to me, the coolest thing about, um, not being on TV, which I mean, like you said, there is a place for it. And I love watching hunting shows on the outdoor channel or the sportsman's channel, but the one benefit you get from it is you are allowed to have a 45 minute video if you were on digital. So or you have just one big, or it can be a 45 second video. It doesn't matter. Right. Right. Um, well, since we're talking about that kind of go over like maybe kind of like what's the best aside from quality because because like with this quality of video i mean i guess doesn't doesn't matter when you just talk about like how do you want to lay out your storyline and stuff like that um but kind of go over like in your opinion like what's the best way to basically make an episode well the best way to make an episode it always has been since the dawn of time is you got to shoot something. People are watching hunting shows to see stuff get shot. That's just, that's the reality of it. Um, when we used to produce hunting shows for television, we'd spend sometimes a week shooting and two weeks editing the three weeks and people watched it for two minutes. They watched that kill shot. That's what they cared about. Um, so if you're not killing anything, it's really hard to gain followers and to keep them unless you've got really, really good characters or you're telling a really, really good story and good characters are few and far between. There's very few Michael Waddell's. There's very few Pigman's. There's very few Jeff Foxworthy's out there. Um, and that's what you have to have. There's guys that think they're good characters, but um, they're not, you know, and you've watched enough outdoor channel to know which ones, are putting on and which ones are genuine too. So to have a genuinely good character on camera is, is a very rare thing. Um, and then if you're not killing anything in order to tell a really good story, it takes a lot of time. Um, and, and to me, that's the number one thing to make a good episode. You just got to shoot something. And then once you shoot something, you've got to be able to paint the picture that illustrates what went into that hunt, whether it was, an easy hunt, a hard hunt, good weather, bad weather, you know, you hunted them a week or you hunted them an hour, whatever it is, just got to tell a good story. I think everything comes back to a story for me because I think guys, um, producers out there hunting or otherwise have a really hard time telling a good story. They want to focus just on that kill. Um, the kill is important, but if you don't have a good story, a beginning, a middle and an end to that story, uh, to me, honestly, it's, it's lazy because you've got a camera with you the whole time. Why not use that camera to tell the best story? Uh, and, and lazy storytelling is rampant <laughs> in, uh, outdoor media and content. Yeah, I would agree. Now I will kind of, I will say, I think, I think, um, the kill may not matter quite as much in um turkey hunting um just based off of what we've seen with our channel and of other channels that are really big into turkey hunting yeah i think people just like to see people hunting turkeys as long as you're but it's like you said as long as you're getting the story and you're getting in on the action i mean of course nobody wants to sit there and watch a camera sit there for 10 minutes with nothing happening and um i mean if i come across that i i'd go and find another video to watch um but i think it's because of like with turkey hunting traditionally with deer hunting i mean you're sitting in a deer stand i mean i know a lot of people hunt that way and there's some people that don't some people kind of hunt deer kind of like you would turkeys yeah 
Um, I think with with uh, with turkeys, it's a little bit easier to get away with not killing one because you're always most of the time you're always moving around and you kind of have a have more of a reason to turn the camera on, I guess. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, um, maybe, maybe you're right. Uh, you know, and when, when we did television shows, that wasn't, that wasn't our philosophy, you know, but you guys might've found a, you know, an audience that likes that, you know, but our philosophy with turkeys is get them in, get them out and kill as many as you can on episode. But uh, again, we were, we were playing a different ball game than most people too. Um, we were trying to fill as many television shows as we could. And we had to have a certain amount of content, certain many minutes and this, that, and the other, and, and it was it was a daunting task to know, hey, we got to go kill this many turkeys. Or and that's when you watch outdoor television, you see guys that talk about, you know, kind of the pressures on now. And you know, you hear people complain, oh, they're talking about the pressures on them, but they're getting to hunt and be out there in Montana, whatever it is. But what a lot of folks don't understand is the pressure comes from the amount of money that they've got poured into that hunt, and whether they kill or not, they still have to pay. Uh, they had to pay producers, production, time away from home, airtime, all the above. And yet again, they don't kill something. It's really hard to get people to continue to watch the show. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, that that is definitely true, I would say, in um, in television. Um, like, you could take the juries, for example. I mean, it's, and, and I find myself sometimes, I'm like, man, you know, of course, they can kill these giant deer because, I mean, look where they're hunting at. They got it made. But you got to remember, I mean, they, they have an obligation. They they have to, you know, basically produce. And if they don't, then they wouldn't be on TV, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, it's, it, it's, it's worn on me before you know being the producer of a show knowing we have a certain budget and we you know we don't kill something for a certain episode and it's like okay well that's you know almost eight nine ten thousand dollars out of the budget and we essentially don't have anything to show for it so it's uh it wears on everybody in that production but that's another beautiful thing about webs you don't kill anything guess what you don't have the air time to pay you don't have all this and if you're not doing television you're probably not paying producers you're not paying uh, travel, airfare, all that stuff. You're probably doing it with your buddies because you enjoy doing it, which I think is the, be- the best reason to do it. That's how I got into it. It's because I enjoy doing it. And I just figured out a way to make money doing it. Um, but if, if if you're going to do it, that's the best way to do it. Just do it with buddies. Do it how you enjoy it. And try and stay, tr- stay true to that principle and, uh, and, and have a good time. Because as soon as you, you start not having a good time, that's when you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I'll kind of make a reference. I don't know which episode it was, but I remember I was listening to one of your uh, pod uh, episodes on your podcast, and uh, you were talking about. Uh, oh gosh, I can't remember which one it was, but you y'all the topic had come up about people getting into filming and doing it for the first time or whatever, and. Uh, that was one thing you kept saying was um, to really, really make sure you run the video camera and make sure you burn some footage up. Um, and I'll say I think that's one of the biggest things is try to record as much as you possibly can. Yeah. Because you never know if you're going to need it or not need it or you never know what's going to happen. Well, and, and now, now with modern cameras and how much hard drives cost, it's so cheap. There's no reason not to. And, uh, the more footage you got, the more, the better story you can tell, the more you can, more you have to work with. And then once you are in the field and you shoot a bunch of footage and you got experience, the more and more you shoot, the more and more you understand what you're going to need, the more you learn how to edit, the more concise your footage is going to be. So like, once you get to the place to where I'm at, where you've done it for so long, you know exactly what you need and what you don't need. Uh, you film a lot less. I film way less now than I used to. But if you're out there doing it and you're learning, dude, don't be afraid to hit that record button. Don't be afraid to try things. Don't be afraid to play with settings on your camera. Don't be afraid to try random thoughts. You know, I, that, that's all I do when, um, you know, I've got downtime 
is I'll get on Instagram or on Facebook or somewhere and I'll go through and I'll, you know, I'll follow a bunch of other photographers and a bunch of other producers and see what everybody else is doing. And I'll see something I like and I try and break that down and say, okay, how can I take that idea and translate it into a project that I'm working on? How can I take that image that that guy took and translate it into something I could do? Because there's very few original ideas out there anymore. You've just got to find somebody else's creativity and then mold it into your own because they probably got it from somebody else, if you're honest. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that actually reminds me of a a saying I can't remember. Um, I think it was, I think it's Damien. I don't know his name, but it's the guy that the guy that made uh, Fubu. And uh, we, me and my wife, we used to watch a lot of Shark Tank. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> and uh, that's one thing that he always says, which at the time it was like, I don't know what year it was, but basically it's 2019. Um, and he was saying, you know, nobody really comes up with something new nowadays. He said, it's just basically when somebody comes out with something, it's usually something with a different, it's something the same. It's just got a different spin on it. And yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, well, what kind of, uh, what kind of like different angles do you get? Like kind of go into that, talking about how to get different angles and stuff like that, like with multiple cameras. Uh, you know, I used to run several three, four cameras right now. Um, I've really got down to, if I'm saying in terms, if we're talking about deer hunting or turkey hunting, generally it's only two angles with a picture camera that sometimes I'll set up a DSLR as a third, very rarely. Um, but generally I'm running my big camera for turkey hunts on sticks on the ground with a, with a net over me, just because that net I can get away with murder, uh, with turkeys. If you don't have that net, it's really hard to do anything. Um, so I always have a net draped over my camera and usually over me as well. Um, because half the time I'm wearing like shorts or something underneath there. So I know that need that to camouflage me anyway, but, uh, and then I'm running a second angle POV camera that's, now as my new cameras and new DJI Osmo Action, but I've ran GoPros, I've ran Garmin Verbs, but that Osmo Action is by far my favorite. And I've only been running it for a week. I've been running it in Bear Camp all week. I just got back on Sunday. But um, I really, really am impressed with that camera. But what I use a POV camera, which a POV is like a GoPro or anything, it's point of view. What I use that for is what I call a safety angle. Uh, I use that angle to get shot to get the reactions after the shots to get things that happen that I cannot get on the big camera when I'm focused on an animal because on the when I'm on the big camera which my big camera is an FS7 animals coming in whether it's a turkey deer elk whatever my complete and utter focus is listening to my hunter and focusing my camera on that animal and I'm wide medium tight wide medium tight wide medium tight as long as I can I got a 10 second timer in my head if I got a really cool tight shot of him for 10 seconds. I'm going to bump out and I'm going to go medium for 10 seconds. And I'm going to go really wide for 10 seconds. So I'm using that big camera to get all the animals actions and movements. As soon as a shot takes place and the animal is out of my frame or has ran off and I can't see it anymore. The first thing I do is I go back to my hunter, but my POV caught the shot and the immediate reaction after the shot. And then I'll always go back and shoot cutaways usually too. And I'll usually shoot cutaways with both angles. Um, and cutaways are just recreations of, you know, flipping safeties off, uh, clipping into releases, all that good stuff. Um, every now and then, uh, if I, if we're in like a, a, a nice blind or in a really conducive location, I'll set up a DSLR as a third camera, but honestly, that's kind of overkill. I know some guys that set up 37 cameras. I just don't do that. I try and do a better, better job of just storytelling, creating dialogue in the field and getting really good footage of animals, which getting really good footage of animals is the hard part, you know, getting, getting a turkey to come out and strut to your decoy and not be at 30, 40 yards in the timber um, or, or, you know, him behind something in when you're hunting in the timber, him not being behind a tree, whatever the case may be. And then getting him in strut, trying not to shoot him running away, you know, deer being in the right place at the right time, but that just breaks down communication from, you know, camera guy to producer or producer to uh, hunter. Yeah, but, as far as terms of cameras, those are generally the only two that I run most of the time. 
Yeah, I like that. I like that that idea you were talking about doing the 10 seconds. Like every 10 seconds, make sure you try to change it up. I like yeah. that. Well, and the reason is if, and this is and this is also my editing style. I know when I'm editing, I'm never going to use a clip for 10 seconds. The most I'll ever use a clip, unless it's an animal walking in to get shot, which is a very rare exception that I even need more than 10 seconds there. The most I'll ever use is three to five seconds of a video. So if I get 10 seconds of stable footage of a certain uh, focal length, I'm going to change it. I'm going to go wide. I'm going to go medium. I'm going to go tight. And if the animal moves, I'm going to repeat that process. And I'm going to go wide, medium, tight, wide, medium, tight until the time that the shot's about to happen. And then I'm going to make the animal fill up 25 to 30% of my frame. And that's where it's going to stay until the shot happens. So that's, and that's what I tell guys is like, when you're, when you're filming, don't get stuck in that rut where everything's medium. Everything you're shooting is, you know, waist up on your, uh, on your hunter or center frame on your deer or turkey. Because once you go to edit, you're going to have essentially the same exact shot for however long that animal came in. When you can change that shot to wide, medium, tight, put the animal in different parts of the frames, give him leading edges, show where he's going, not where he came from, all of those things. So I always have that timer in my head. Even when people are talking on camera, I'll have a 10-second timer in my head. I don't like people talking three and four and five sentences because once you do that, you've got to have all the supporting footage for those talks in order to cut that conversation up. Otherwise you're just showing somebody talking and then it becomes a talk show, not a hunting show. So it, it, it's, it's a give and take. So I just, I constantly have a timer in my head and I'm getting people to, re- I'm saying, Hey, I liked what you just said, but I want you to say it, shorten it up. I don't care about X, Y, and Z. Just give me a, B and C, you know? So um, it's just a constant thing that rolls over. It's like, okay, this is taking too long. Do something else. This is taking too long. Do something else. Yeah, I I find myself actually having trouble with that last part you're talking about the talking to the camera. But I mean, sometimes sometimes I'll record myself talking, or if if I got somebody with me, because I do majority of the time with the way we hunt, we do a lot of solo filming. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but and and especially I find it I find it to be worse or. I'm not as good when I'm so when I'm by myself because I'll turn the camera on, and I'm trying to explain you know what's happening, trying to basically lay the foundation for the episode, and I find myself sometimes I'll I'll go a little overboard and <laughs> yeah I'll talk but, too much yeah and and, that, and that's okay but just remember when you're talking to the camera and you're talking a lot that's completely okay just you have to be able to enunciate and that's what I tell guys is when they'll start talking on camera they'll go on to these sentences and they'll, they'll just be talking and they never sound like they're going to stop. And then in their inflection, their sentence is never going to end. And I never can find a place to cut. Does that make, you know, does that make sense? Oh, so yeah, if you're yeah. going to talk, you talk in complete sentences because you say 10 complete sentences and you go into the editing process, I can cut out the first sentence, the fourth sentence and the 10th sentence, m- marry them together, put B roll over them. And it's like, you were a genius the whole time you're on camera when the, <laughs> when the editor knows that you rambled for 10 minutes and he didn't use, but 10 seconds of it, you know? Right. So right. that's another thing you got to be conscious of when you're talking on camera, you're having someone talk on camera, you got to make sure they're enunciating, they're starting and stopping their sentences. And another thing that a lot of guys don't do that's super easy is just to get simple sound bites in the field. Literally one liners like here he comes. Did you hear that? You know, I think he's over there. One of those type things, because generally when you stick a camera in somebody's face, they, they, they're expected to tell the whole story over and over again. Well, we just left this spot. We're going to this spot. Turkey's gobbling over here, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about any of that. We're going to we've already told that story when we started this. We, we told the story about where the turkey is. We heard him gobbling. Now we're going to the turkey. Now let's talk about. I think he's right over there. Don't tell me we just came from over there, heard him gobble here, came over here, heard him gobble again. I don't care about any of that. Just tell me I just heard him gobble again. Boom, done, simple. We go to the next thing. I think people just overthink it. Less is more. Keep it simple, stupid is what I tell people. Is yeah. And you got to think about having a conversation with someone. You're not going to every time they ask a question, re- retell everything. 
you know, I get so frustrated watching some people's contents because they'll tell the same story three times in recoveries. They'll tell the whole story that you just watched. I don't tell me the whole story. I just watched it. Just tell me how, how you're feeling right now. Tell me about the bird, how this is your first, you know, your first, you know, triple bearded bird. Tell me about this is your first, you know, Pope and Young with a bow. That's what I care about. I don't care about telling me the story that I literally just watched over again. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of, I mean, we, we're we kind of trying to go that route. We're trying to just basically, especially with turkeys. And we'll see, that's, I'm kind of wondering how we're going to, how we're going to do it with the deer. Because um, that'll be a little bit more tough. I mean, we'll have to, we'll have to really come up with an idea there because, well, Let's there's a feature. It. There's a feature. Let me tell you about a new feature on some of these new POV cameras. It's going to be a game changer for guys that do self-filming and that are, uh, you know, guys that are trying to film their own hunt. So there's a feature on the GoPro and there's a feature on the Osmo Action. And I'm sure it's on other POV cameras, on the newer cameras, where it has a looping feature. Essentially what a looping feature is, is the camera stays on and it's recording all the time. But when something happens, you hit the record button and it only saves a certain time. So you can put it on a certain amount of looping. So for like a, a deer hunt, you could put it on a 20 minute loop to where that camera's recording all the time. And then you draw back and you shoot a deer, you turn around and hit record after, and it just saved that last 15 minutes. And that's all you got. You don't have a card full of stuff you've got to go through. And I think that's a really important feature for guys that are doing this on their own, that are trying not to have a ton of hard drive space taken up or to try and simplify their production process is to have that loop feature on. When something happens, we hit record, we get everything that just happened and we can trust our gear. And that's another thing. Do your testing first, make sure things work like you do because you'd be really pissed if you got up a tree and hit your looping feature and it not worked the way you thought it would. So do your homework before, but I know a lot of guys in the fishing world, uh, Walt Gabbard from Osseo just told me about uh, how he's using it. He's like, dude, I'll never miss another hook set ever while I'm filming fishing. He said, because I have that looping feature on. Anytime they hook a fish, I hit the record button on the camera. I just got my last five minutes in my looping feature. I go to my big camera of them reeling the fish in and I've got everything. So it works. It works. So it's kind of like if you've ever ran an FS 700 where it has, a, it's called a cash record is you hit record after something happens. So the camera's recording all the time, but when you hit record, it records the last however much time you tell it. So I think that would be a really good feature to look into for deer hunting is just to have that thing running, hook it to a little battery pack. Those things don't use any power and just uh, and get, get that second angle because I, I think that's invaluable when you're deer hunting. Yeah, that's actually an awesome – that's pretty awesome. Um First thing that came to my mind, because, I mean, I'm a big-time turkey hunter. I mean, I love hunting whitetails, but um, that would be pretty cool. I mean, if you could get it to where it would pick the sound up good enough, um, that would be a cool feature to have while you were turkey hunting. Because, I mean, how many times have you been just walking through the woods and you, it comes that point in time where you're just, all right, I'm going to cut the camera off. I've been recording for an hour. And then yeah. all of a sudden the turkey gobbles and you don't get yep. it. Yep. Well, I don't know what camera you guys are running, um, but there's a lot of camcorders and big cameras out now that have a cache record feature. I know my FS7 does, and I'm fairly certain there's several other Canon cameras that have it. And you can essentially set up the same thing, and you can set up a 10-second cache to where the camera's recording all the time. Now, it will use battery faster because essentially the camera's running all the time. But when you hit record, it records the last 10 seconds and then everything after. So if you just have your camera on and a turkey gobbles, hit record, it's going to get that turkey gobbling. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what camera you guys are running now, but just research research the camera and the model and see if it has that feature because a lot of them now do. And the reason is, is because all these new cameras have – solid state media they're either recording on an sd card a compact flash card or an xqd card which is what my camera takes so it's a solid state media there's there's no moving parts so it's really easy for that camera just to be working all the time and electronics are made to be on all the time 
So it makes sense for them to build in that cache feature. It's really good for bow fishing because I can literally sit there, hold the camera at my side. I hear in my headphones, there's a fish. I throw my camera in that general direction, hit record. And they usually have shot before I ever hit record, but I yeah. always get that. I always get the shot because of that cache. Yeah. Man, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's a, it's um, a great feature. Yeah, I agree. Well, um, well, here's one last thing. Um, and then we'll kind of start wrapping it up. What, um, after all this stuff we've talked about, which I mean, we kind of pretty much hit on a little bit, but in your mind, where do you see like the filming side of hunting? Where do you see that going? I see it going to a lot of independent apps. Um, I think YouTube's not going to be very friendly to what we're doing anymore. Um, they're changing their policies just like Facebook and Instagram and making it harder and harder to get content out there, uh, hunting content, just because they're, they have a liberal slant on everything. Um, you know, we're all, you know, we're having to really tone down what we put in teases to be able to put on Instagram and uh, Facebook for the habit. You know, we can't really put kill shots in it because then we can't promote it. Um, so with that being said, there's going to be, in my opinion, one of two things happen. There's going to be a digital platform emerge, whether that's Mossy Oak Go, whether that's Amazon Prime, whether that's uh, Netflix for hunting, what, whatever the case may be, there's going to be something that emerges in the next three to five years that's going to be the, the leader in hunting content and, and or something major is going to have to happen with outdoor television. Um, they're going to have to start paying for content or they're going to have to kick off a lot of these shows that are literally just bill payers for them. And they're going to have to streamline what they're doing. Uh, or it's going to, that's going to be a failed model just because nobody's doing the pay to play anymore. Um, the, I, I really hope it happens on the digital side more so than the television side. Um, but I say that and, uh, retail is coming back. You know, you think everybody buys everything online, which most people do do a lot of buying online, but retail is doing better and better and better right now. So you never know. It's, it's things are cyclical, you know, they change all the time, but, I'm putting my money on the hunting stuff because a lot of the baby boomers are getting to that age. The ones that founded and started all this, they're getting to the age where they're aging out of what we're doing. And the people that are running these companies are younger and younger and they understand the relevance and the value in the digital side of things. And anytime you walk into any doctor's office, any waiting room, any, anything you've ever been to, what's people doing? They're looking at their phone. They're consumed. 90% of their media through their phone. And when they're sitting watching TV, they usually have their phone in their hand. So yeah. I really think that majority of content and media and, and, and everything is going to be driven to those mobile devices. Um, and that's what I'm betting on. That's what has been paying my bills for two and a half years is digital content. And I've had financially the best two years I've ever had and uh, had a lot more time to hunt for myself the last two years. And, um, and, you know, you know, right now the forecast is looking good for the fall. I'm super busy filming other, you know, other hunting shows and web shows. And um, I hope it stays right where it's at because the TV model was broken the whole time I was doing it. And I think it's finally caught up with them. Yeah. I've actually thought about that, especially over the last two years, maybe three years is, you know, kind of like, like, you know, the big hunting channels on TV. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that, they really haven't made a move yet or anything for as far as the streaming side of it. I, I'm, it kind of surprises me that they haven't done anything yet. Yeah. Well, when um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head now, but the guy that bought outdoor sportsman's group a couple of years ago, he spent, I can't remember how much money it was. You know, he invested in the TV side of things, you know, and the TV answer to everything was the, the MOTV app, the uh, My Outdoor TV app, where that's a pay-to that's a pay-to-play system like a Netflix, and people that had Outdoor Channel and Sportsman Channel generally were already paying for Outdoor and Sportsman to have that package on their you know their you know their Dish Network or their DirecTV. I did, I think it was like two ninety nine or four ninety nine a month. I paid for those networks, and then they were going to charge, you know, I can't remember what the thing was four ninety nine or six ninety nine a month. I can't remember what it was for My Outdoor TV. 
and then they wouldn't even show new content. It was year old content. So essentially yeah. it was two, it was two years old cause it was filmed two years ago. Um, they wouldn't show new content. They were, and the original content they were putting out wasn't very good. Um, and now Mossy Oaks come out with their new app and it's doing extremely well. And it's only been out since uh, the last week of November, first week of December of last year. So it's, you know, barely six months old. And um, I think, I think, one of those is going to be the player, you know. Uh, I know Realtree is probably going to be coming out with their own app. So there's going to be several apps. There's still going to be several options. Um, and there's some things happening with some other apps that I can't talk about just yet that are coming together. And they're going to be big players for some things, too. They're going to have a lot of you know, over, over a million users, dedicated users on a, on a hunting app. So there's going to, it's going to be it's the wild, wild west right now in the content world because there's so many places you can put it. And it's really, it's kind of like betting on horses. It's like, which one's going to be the, which one's going to be the winner of this thing? Um, yeah. You know, where, where are people going to start putting their time, money and effort, which Mossy Oak spent a lot of money to get their app going. You know, they've even had a couple of uh, instances where they've paid for content, you know, and that's, that's, that's a rare thing in this business is for them, for them to pay for original content to live on their app. And, uh, but they want it to be good. They want it to be consumable and it's free is the best part of it. Yeah. Um, and you'll, and they, they swear you'll never have to pay for it. So, um, but I also have a kind of a differing opinion on free content. Um, you know, podcasts are generally free, but, um, some things I think you should have to pay for, you know, we, we, we want podcasts for free and we want to listen to the Joe Rogans of the world. We want to listen to the, the, you know, the big podcasts and we expect them for free now. And that's made people expect all their content for free. But why is it okay to pay for Netflix? Well, the inherent thing is, well, Netflix has got big specials that cost money and they've got big network shows that cost them hundreds of millions of dollars and this, that, and the other. So we're, we're good to pay started out at what, $9.99. Now it's $12.99 or whatever. And it just continues to go up, even though they have 600 million subscribers which is ridiculous yeah <laughs> but anyway you know it, it keeps it keeps going up but we're okay to pay that but we want our podcast for free we want our hunting content for free now we you know what, what where do you draw the line what dictates free for not for free you know i think there's going to be i think like i just said i'm going to repeat myself we're in the wild wild west there's going to be something that happens whether that's a, a free app whether that's a pay-to-play app whether that's a TV network finally figuring it out. Something's going to happen in the next three to five years. Is we're not going to consume outdoor content like we do now. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, which I mean, I would say, aside from maybe a one or two hunting shows on. Well, actually, no, that's not even true because I don't even have cable television anymore. That's and that's yeah. that's another thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, I lost you there. I had a phone call. Yeah. Oh, you're good. But no, but I mean, like, I will go to YouTube and watch past episodes that are on a television show. Um, yeah. But well, actually, yeah. So I would say 99.9% of all of my content that I watch for hunting is either youtube mossy oak go or something like that something digital yep um well i know the initial numbers um which i don't think i'm supposed to give the initial numbers for the mossy oak go app are very very good um and i know we're excited about it with the habit and with make it happen um we're excited about putting more content there and uh you know making that a place for content to live and i think a lot of other people are looking at it now as a place to go um, and I'm excited. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm just excited to see where it goes. You know, I'm fortunate enough to have good clients to where I feel like I'll continue to have work. So I don't care where the content lives. I'm just kind of excited to see where it's going to live. Right. Yeah. And th I mean, that's, that's kind of the thing with us too. I mean, I don't, I just want with us with Strut South, we just want, I just want people to see it and like it. But not not like it for me, but I want people to learn something from it. Basically, is what yeah. I'm getting at. And uh, no, for sure. Yeah, that's what we that's what we're trying to do here. But I think, man, I think that's 
pretty good. I mean, we covered a lot of stuff. Um, do you got like what's if you could if you could make give somebody one tip or anything like that? What's the number one tip you would give somebody for just hunting or well, for, for outdoor production or um, what? Just video on your hunts. Um, learn to edit. I think would have to be have to be uh, my thing is you know you could teach a monkey how to run a camera. Yeah. Uh, I would learn how to edit because not only it, it, would it make you viable to get a job doing this, but even if you didn't want to get a job, learning how to edit it's going to give you a, a huge skill set um, for a job that maybe not be in the hunting industry. But even further than that, it's going to make you such a better producer and make your content that much better because once you understand the editing process, once you understand how things go together, what shots you need, what shots you don't need. Um, once you get back to the editing edit footage, you're like, man, I'd really love to have a shot of this right here. I'd love to have a shot of that right there. Next time you go to the field, you won't make those same mistakes. It streamlines everything you're doing. And uh, it just, it makes you overall a better producer and storyteller just by learning that process. Is it a daunting task to do? It can be, but, like I've told, I've said about a million times, if I can do the job that I, if I can do the job that I do, anyone can do the job that I do. Yeah, I, I agree with that though. I think, um, and I'll say this, I think like one of the biggest things is, uh, well, like you said, I mean, it can be kind of, of a daunting task to try to record your episodes, but, or edit your episodes, I'm sorry. But I know when we first started, I mean, we use Adobe, um, Adobe Premiere, I think is what we use. And uh, when we first started using it, man, like I was, I did not have a clue. And I was looking at it and I'm like, man, I don't know what any of these buttons mean. I don't know none of this stuff. But, I mean, it just took, we just, it just took time and we started using it. And and I also use iMovie. Um, it's actually an Apple product. It's an app you can download and this. I like it, especially for just short, quick little short videos that you're going to upload to Facebook or if you want a little short video, you're going to upload to YouTube and it's not a big full-blown hunt. I mean, to me, that was, that's great. And I would, I'll say this, I think if, if you do want to get into it and you're starting to edit, I mean, as long as you got something that's at least good enough, I mean, like we said, you got to kind of figure out what you want and what kind of what kind of episodes you're going to make and then that's when you want to figure out what you're going to edit with i think yeah well and a lot of times that's dictated by how much money you can spend what your budget is because i tell guys that i get the question all the time what what camera should i buy well what camera should you buy you should buy a red (laughs) yeah but not not everybody not everybody should buy a red because that's not what is in their budget you know if your budget is $2,500, that's a major difference in what camera you're going to buy versus you have a $10,000 budget. Those are, we're playing in two different ball. You know, one guy's playing T-ball, the other guy's in the majors. You know, those yeah. are two different things. But most guys that are filming their own hunts, they don't have five plus thousand dollars to spend on the setup. They've got about 1500 bucks, $2,000. You know, and that's for everything. That's camera arms, mics, you know, cameras, lenses, cam- you know, supports, tripods, all of it. Um, so that's, you've got to decide what your goal is, then what your budget is. And then from there you can grow and build. But if you're anything like me, you're going to spend, you know, a couple, you know, 1500, $2,000 to get started. Then you're going to get the, you're either going to love it or you're going to be like, this is way too much work and you're going to stop. Uh, and then once you're like me and you find out you love it, you're going to spend a lot of money over the next couple of years. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, a now, lot of times money you don't have. Oh yeah. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm actually extremely cheap when it comes to this type of stuff. So that's why I like iMovie so much because it's free. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, uh, that's where I started. I swear I started editing too, man, was iMovie. Yeah. Way back in the day. Yeah. iMovie has been around for a minute. And it's, it's, it's a lot better now. It's even, it's, it's way better now than it was even, I would say, just even a year ago. I mean, they. Oh, I bet. It's really. I mean, they've really stepped their game up. It's. it's you really don't. iMovie doesn't really drop down the quality of the video as much as you would think 
compared to something like Adobe or, you know, something like that. Um, yeah. It's basically for what we do. And that's like I say, you got to find out what you want to do. And, and for YouTube, yeah. YouTube and Facebook, especially Facebook, you put a video on Facebook, it's it's automatically going to lose quality right there oh, as soon God, as you upload they, it. They, they kill them, yeah. man. It's so bad. Yeah. Well, Caleb, I think uh, I think we can uh, wrap it up. And one more time, just let everybody know. I mean, we already – but kind of let everybody know where they can find all your stuff and – yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm on Facebook, uh, Copeland creative and, uh, my personal page is just Caleb Copeland and Instagram is at cope creative, C O P E creative. Um, and if you're interested in really diving deep into some filming technicalities, um, outdoor content creation, I've got that redneck it's at redneck tech podcast on Instagram and redneck tech podcast on iTunes. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, if you guys like this episode, definitely go over and check that podcast out. You'll learn a lot more on his podcast than you will on mine about camera stuff. So, uh, I, try, I, try and do an, I try and do an episode a week, but during seasons, like right now, I'm, I'm behind um, just because I'm, I'm, when I get home from trips, I'm so busy trying to get edits done and pictures edited and stuff like that. But I've got three or four in the hopper that i got to do this week, so I'm going to try my best to get some done. Heck yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, anytime, really nice man. nice time talking with you. Yeah, holler at me anytime, brother. I appreciate you having me on. Heck yeah, man.